Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast series where we watch films that my co-host missed in his childhood. My name is Chris and I'm joined by that said co-host Eric. Hey everybody. And uh, we got a, a, a fun one this week. Yeah, we have. We've got um, a movie from 1982, I want to say off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that is um, Sylvester Stallone's very famous Rambo. No. Sylvester Stallone's very famous First Blood. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent, and they didn't give a damn. John Rambo, one man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted, trapped, and forced to fight back. Don't push it. Don't push it. I'll give you a war you won't believe. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many. Don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First blood. This is, I will like, I will start by saying it has possibly the most muddled continuity of titles out of any film franchise in history. Yeah. So there's First Blood, and then there's Rambo First Blood Part (laughs) 2, and then Rambo (laughs) 3, and then just Rambo. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, and nice. there, there's a fifth one in production now, <laughs> again, so... Yeah, okay. Who knows? All right, so I'm not totally to blame for getting confused. Yeah, but um, this this is going to be a fun one, I think, because it, it kind of, you know, goes nicely with last season doing Rocky. These are the kind of yeah. classic Stallone ones yep. uh, that everyone is supposed to see. Uh, what do you know, if anything, about this movie? Uh, I don't know a lot plot-wise. Um, mm-hmm. what, what I do know... Or I'm expecting is for the body count to be quite small. My understanding, I think I've seen a chart once of the escalating number of deaths per per Rambo film, and I believe in his first one, it's like a properly constructed smallish. I'm expecting almost a Rocky esque kind of thing. Okay. Um, maybe not Oscar worthy. Yeah. But not perhaps totally schlocky, which is I believe maybe what it sort of descended into just yeah, here's just, the character let's just make him destroy stuff just like Rocky movies where it like starts yeah. off like kind of credible and then just devolves into uh, like robot friends yes exactly <laughs> so I'm sort of expecting perhaps a similar kind of thing like a fairly low key beginning okay um, with a with a quite an iconic character and a pretty must have been a pretty solid performance that then obviously was able to spawn those kinds of sequels yeah um, uh, do you like, obviously, I, I don't get to do the action movie question of what do you think his name is, because <laughs> <laughs> the sequels have ruined that for us, but what, what do you think, like, if you had to guess, like, what type of person he is, or, like, you know, like, mercenary, yeah. soldier, like, or, you know, oh, just... He's, he's got to be an ex-Marine, doesn't he? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting one, because, like, my, my, my image of... I'm going to keep calling him Rocky, by the way, listeners, because, you know... <laughs> yeah, that's just... A, a two-syllable name starting with R by the same actor. Yeah. Um, uh, Rambo, um, the image I have of him is in the jungle um, fighting bad guys. Yeah. 
Um, so, so I'm guessing maybe South America. Maybe. So like a man on a mission type movie, maybe. Yeah, or maybe a bit more of a diehard kind of. Somehow he sort of found himself drawn into something he wasn't. Maybe I'm picturing him as a lone soldier, lone wolf kind of thing, or maybe okay. you know, maybe helping out a, a small group in need or yeah, like, yeah. So either helping out though, like you know, like. Uh, yeah, a group of people who need help, or you know, just the one man on a mission, or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I guess I'm. My original thoughts were just like, all right, this is a mission for the James Bond character. You're on your own. Go and sort this out for us. We need you to go behind enemy lines. Yeah. And yada yada yada. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I don't know really in terms of actually what the plot will be about. I'm expecting some form of. Um. I guess let's. I'm, I'm expecting a. A bunch of drug drug runners or drug drug cartel in South America just feels like right, about right for about, the yeah. early eighties, um, and and the image I have of um of Rambo in the jungle, yeah, shooting stuff. All right, well that's that's, that's not a bad guess. And so I like, have cool. seen Hot Shots, which I'm pretty oh sure. yeah, both Hot Shots hot, part two. I've also actually seen both the Hot Shots, so Hot Shots will make even more sense to me after this. No fair. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, all solid guesses, so I guess uh, only one way to find out if you, any of them are right. <laughs> yeah, we should watch the film. Let's do it. So... It turned out I was a bit wrong. A little bit. Uh, a little bit right, a little bit wrong. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, another Vietnam movie. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> wondering, how far was that from what you were expecting? Um, yeah, I guess it wasn't particularly close, really. I mean, the one-man army thing I knew was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I didn't expect the themes that it went for. You weren't expect, yeah, the, the themes that it's touching on, and let alone like the base narrative of he's walking through a town and a weird sheriff picks him up, and yeah. then it's escalates. Yeah, <laughs> like which is so troubling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He just wanted a meal, and I don't know, maybe vagrancy was a really big deal around that time or something. Yeah, it's that thing of I was trying to, I was thinking about it when we were watching it, like. Oh, you can kind of understand the sheriff and this, like, you know, he wants to keep his town nice. And I'm like, no, no, actually, you can't. No, that's no, he's, like just he's, basic he's, human rights. He just moves him on and then he arrests him on three separate charges. And then um, and then one of his best friends essentially starts just beating him up in prison. Yeah. Well, he, not in prison, but in the um, in the holding rooms. And yeah, I, I, I commented that he's like the type of cop that's like Sam Rockwell in the first two thirds of Three Billboards. Just yeah. like a horrible, ignorant just guy. Just uses his power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Like, the, the first third of this film is like, weirdly poignant still today. <laughs> yeah, the whole first third was like, said you really... Um, commenting on law and well a lot of the films seem to be commenting on the American law enforcement system yeah like even um, later on when the National Guard were involved yeah that, and they, they put some serious effort into reminding you that these guys are part timers I want you to go into that mine oh not me what do you mean not me look I do this part time I didn't come here to get killed yeah and that the physics teacher high school physics teacher has a bazooka yes. <laughs> and then they're posing for soldier of fortune like really yeah, and they're like, wow, these people are just entrusted with firearms when they're needed. Mm. 
Um, but um, how do we want to approach this one? Just I, I, I'm thinking the best way is probably just to work through narrative, like the narrative start to finish, because yeah. it, it's kind of a segmented film in that sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like <laughs> it starts with J- John J. Rambo. <laughs> yep, very well written name. Uh, going like looking for his the last surviving member of his platoon, who it turns out he's died of cancer. Yeah, and so it's you know. He's starting off the film on a down note. Yes. And it's... It's interesting. Like, he essentially... That first scene, before he... Like, he seems like just a nice guy. Yeah, he's very friendly and polite to his his dead friend's um, Mm. wife or family member. Yeah. But then you realise in hindsight, having watched the film, that why he becomes so kind of cold and kind of uh, shut off from everything is Mm. because... Finding out that that friend had died, he's essentially now has nothing left in his life. No, that's it. He, he was that classic um, trained jarhead. Yes, he's a modern yeah. version of, um, of of film. I'm mean, just a trained soldier with a mission and responsibilities. And then once the war is over, you're essentially a nobody, particularly an unpopular war. Mm. You come back home, and the soldiers were viewed very poorly. Um, even though they just did what they they went and performed the duty that was asked of them, um, or for the most part, um, yeah. And then then you come back home and, and yeah, left left with nothing. Um, no 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 skills anymore. Mm. You can't really use being able to fly a gunship as a skill all that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, then having his his final the last one of his friends, the last kind of I guess thing that tethers him to being human to having yes. being connected yeah. to society yeah. is taken away from him and he's just dejected and gets pushed by the wrong ignorant idiot sheriff like a guy tr- yeah trying to his, his little mini motivation is just trying to keep his town clean and tidy and he introduced him and he sang hello to everybody so yeah. he's obviously like that that local sheriff who's you know this is his town and whether that's it's never really pushed too hard that it's his real pride and joy it's his possession but a couple of times it's kind of spoken about that way yeah like in the car ride he, he mentions like how how the law works in the town and it's a quiet little town in fact you might say it's boring but that's the way we like it and I get paid to keep it that way and you kind of get the sense in hindsight that if if he'd picked up Rambo before he'd visited his friend it all would have been fine. Would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's just he 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 decided to poke a bear on the wrong day. <laughs> Definitely on the wrong day. Yeah, and his it, it's initially you can kind of vaguely like you can understand the motivations of Brian Dennehy, yeah, uh, Sheriff Te- Teasel, I think something like that. Will Teasel, um, yeah. you can kind of. Like, I'm trying very... Like, I yeah, don't... Because yeah. I don't agree with it. No, no. <laughs> You can kind of understand where he's coming he from. Had, he had a, a reason for acting that way. Yeah, and the, but then pushing it so hard so immediately, like, that when Rambo's just like, well, no, I want a sandwich or whatever. I just want He's clearly not... He, does, he never presents as though he's going to cause trouble. Yeah. He... I guess he has... He I looks, think his first thing is, he's just like, why are you pushing me? I haven't done anything. Yeah. Yeah. He looks scruffy. Um, the, the sheriff makes a comment about his uniform. You know, wearing that flag on that jacket, looking the way you do, 
You're asking for trouble around here, friend. So obviously the ex-NAM soldiers were pretty um, unpopular. Yeah. Um, so we just don't want any trouble. When, when you're out. Yeah. People obviously don't take kindly to your type around here. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, you won't even let him stop in town for a, for a feed or anything like that. He just looks like a scruffy drifter. Mm. Um, but then, obviously... Stallone taking the, the the stance of like oh no I'm gonna that's not how I you know you should treat people and comes walks back into the town and then like the arrest happens he Dene he goes from like one to a thousand so quickly very fast yeah and the rest of there's only seemingly one reasonable cop in the entire yeah, town and that's played by David Caruso yeah the young redheaded friendly guy with a conscience a super young David Caruso yeah. So, did he did he die in the movie? No, he didn't. Did he? What happened to him? How did he get maimed? He was just like he almost seems like he's cashing out. He's just like, no, I'm done. Yeah, because he vanished from the movie. Like, like when they, when it's that scene where he's uh, yeah. the night scene where he's like tiger trapped and like everybody. Yeah. it's like he's not there. I don't. I don't remember him specifically being highlighted as um, having been caught in any particular trap. No, no. Um, but yeah, then we don't see him again. None of those cops. Well, we see like broken nose cop. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, mm. uh, <laughs> with his real broken nose, yeah. thanks Stallone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of stunts that went wrong in this film. They were there. Yeah. yeah, stuntman broke his back doing like a car jump. Like some of them are pretty hardcore. Yeah, they they misjudged. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's such. It is one of the weirdest premises for an action film. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Not just that, but like a really... I can understand it being like a weird cult film, Mm. but it being a super popular action film that's spawned three, soon to be four sequels. Yeah. An animated TV series, action film, like all of this stuff. It's about small town law enforcement being bullies to a war war veteran Mm. who fights back. Yeah, like... It's so weird. Do you think, I mean, Stallone obviously has a couple of big franchises that way. Do you think he was part of turning it into, or do you know if he was part of turning it into what it became? No, I, I think that's really due to the box office stuff. Yeah. And which, then he was like, yeah, right, I'll do more. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if Rocky has taught us anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll do more if the offer is there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the, the film primarily is like you you weren't far off in in guessing a jungle but yes, instead of yeah. the jungles of Bolivia or somewhere in South America yeah. it's uh, <laughs> the, the forests of the Pacific Northwest yeah so much of a muchness which is an interesting <laughs> setting for a for a uh, mm. action film as well like the occasional snow on the ground and the wetness of it all it's yeah yeah and the like the real thick undergrowth and the um and the, the, the cliff scene and things like that was really cool. Um, it was funny. Um, this film, to me, reminded me of a couple of other 80s films. Yeah. Um, so as in a weird... Bear with me here. Because um, <laughs> it's a bit silly. But um, like once he was in the jungle, uh, the, the tree, sorry, the, the forest the first time running away from just the local law enforcement guys, who were clearly out of their depth already. Yeah. Just like trooping along with their M16s. Um, and then once he started picking them off one by one, I'm like, man, this has just become Predator. Oh, but, yeah. But he's the but, Predator. Uh, yeah, our protagonist <laughs> is the Predator. predator. And then once it, was, once, and then once it moved into the city later on, into the town, I'm like, this just became Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, he's just glowing 
stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> because like the whole town essentially got like told to go indoors and like evacuated. So it just reminded me of like in Gremlins. Because when I first watched that as a kid, I kind of missed the fact that like the whole town gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. That's everyone a really surprisingly dies. violent movie. Surprisingly dark film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so watching it again, I was watching this, sorry. Um, I was just like, that kind of reminds me a little bit of Predator Crossed with Gremlins. Yeah, it's, it's just that small town America and things blowing oh up God. and wreaking havoc, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so, but, but yes, he was definitely had a bit of a Predator vibe going mm. on. He was very invisible and popping out of nowhere and just taking people down. And I could have killed them all. I could have killed you. In town, you're the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. How'd you find John Rambo as an action star, like as a character for, to, like as the lead action hero? I didn't mind him actually, because mm. he was so quiet. He just, he looked like somebody who just didn't want to be hassled. Yeah. And his escalation in terms of the damage he was causing actually was pretty well paced. Yeah. And the fact that he actually also takes a moment to try and stop it all yeah, as well. Yeah, he takes after... a few chances after the, the helicopter incident. Yeah, which isn't his fault because even the helicopter pilot is yelling at the guy shooting like what, what, are, you doing? what are you doing put your seatbelt on <laughs> yeah stop shooting at him yeah it is a pure accident and oh that's an interesting actually sidebar mm. um you you were saying that you'd seen a chart on the body counts yeah this film has a body count of one yes <laughs> yeah so much less than um i believe rambo 4 has a body count of a 180 or something that it? movie's insane yeah <laughs> maybe more maybe like four I don't know I just remember it's a huge amount yeah that, that um, movie's crazy yeah <laughs> but it's it's interesting that the the franchise would like they would take this character mm. and I believe that like do you mind me explaining the plots of the next no one? no not at all um, the second one uh, weirdly written by James Cameron Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, in a, I think, post-Terminator, pre-Aliens world. Yep, okay. So in that kind of like 80, 84, 85 sweet spot. Yep. He, um, so the plot is Rambo, uh, Colonel Troutman has to get Ram- gets Rambo out of prison uh-huh. to go on a mission to the one place he doesn't want to go. Vietnam? Yeah. <laughs> so he's got to like go on a covert mission again. Yeah, and it's back to you know there, and that's where um, a lot of Hot Shots Two comes from. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, in the little hut village kind of situation, yeah, yeah. And then also because if you notice, it's the same Colonel, it's the same actor, it's Richard Crenna in both. Oh, is it really in Hot oh. Shots and oh, Revelations? Which is then also Rambo Three is about uh, Rambo having to go and rescue. Uh, Colonel Trapman, who was a POW in, in Afghanistan oh. by the Soviets. So Rambo oh. gets help from the Taliban to... Oh, boy, does he. <laughs> that no. movie does not hold up. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. It, it's interesting that they go to such, like, lud- like ludicrous, ac- over-the-top action films so quickly. Yeah, from a movie that essentially w- he's an unwilling... Anti-hero. Yeah, and it's more of an interesting character study and a statement on the military machine that is America. Yeah. To then turn the sequels into a f- into. Like, oh, let's we we've established that he can kill things good. Yeah, let's just <laughs> let him loose. Yeah, yeah it, it's really baffling to me. Yeah. And, like the, ne- the the other ones are fun in terms of yeah. just like dumb action movies. But this one's interesting because it's uh, why I think in the intro I said it's I put it really similar to Rocky is because yep. it's one of the few films in Stallone's career where it's 
He's doing a character piece. Yes, yeah. And um, and he, like we were saying during, he barely talks throughout the film. He doesn't mm. need to. He just he does it quite well just by ba- ba- being silent for a lot of the um, police scenes and things like that. He couldn't have John McClane this. He couldn't no have way. been quipping. He couldn't have quipped. He couldn't, yeah. Would have, would have defeated the entire purpose. The of last thing you want to see is like him in the mine and, you know, saying, you know, come out to the coast or whatever you like. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. it's not going to work. No. Um, pro- probably the only downside of his, his performance for me, um, in a way, was um, in that final scene where he really breaks down. Oh. You, you just can't understand what he's saying. I know, yeah, that's... that's, that's I, was, a- I, was, I was listening really carefully because I knew, I'm like, this, this is... Like what he was saying was really, really good, but it had the serious Stallone voice. No one else is saying, "Please, I want to go home. I want to go home. We just call my name. I want to go home, Johnny. I want to drive my Chevy. I said, well, what? I can't find your fucking legs." Like, yeah, that's 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 one of my favorite Stallone scenes ever. Actually, yeah. I I really enjoy. I know it's really laughable. Like you, you could like he delivers it quite well. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm, I kind of stumbled there. Yeah. I, what I mean, like you could perceive it as really laughable. Yes. Yeah. In the sense of like, ah, oh, Lee goes, like he's got little legs. Like yes. He, yeah. the, in the, he's breaking, but it's a, it's a really emotional model. Yeah, and he does it because you never see Rambo's vulnerabilities really. No. Um, up until that point, and then you, he, you get quite a bit of time to finally, for him to put across what he's had to put up with and his inability to establish himself back in America. Mm. And, yeah, seeing his friend just explode. Yeah. And, and like, the things he has seen um, in, in duty for his country who then haven't repaid him or he can't find a place. And not just that, he's finding himself in these situations where mm. he's not just, you know... He, he talks about how he can't find a job and all of this, but then also to find himself ridiculed and bullied just because... Because he... He served his country. It, yeah. It's really interesting. Being bullied by the country he served. Yeah. yeah. And I come back to the world, and I see all those maggots at the airport protesting me, spitting, calling me baby killer, and all kinds of vile crap. Who are they to protest me, huh? Who are they? Unless they've been me and been there and know what the hell they're yelling about. Were you expecting to have like a really in depth discussion about like well, the treatment of veterans? Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not quite that obviously. But like I said at the start, I was expecting this to be a little bit like Rocky um, in terms of I was expecting this movie to probably have a bit of substance to it yeah. that then spawned, like so many films do. Um, like, I mean, Saw, we've used as an example before, is. As, as a horror film, apart from maybe a couple of little plot holes, is actually really well put together. And, and then I'd say Scream as well is in there. Yeah, exactly. And then across the franchise, it just, just deteriorates further and further in terms of just like, we're going to give you heaps of gore. Yeah, um, we're, just, we're distilling this down to what we think the audience yeah. wants, which isn't actually necessarily the case. No, but it will sell movie tickets and um, we can keep doing it. It's really easy and we don't even need to pay big name actors because they're going to die anyway. Yeah. Um, Rambo 5, coming to cinemas next year. <laughs> So, no, I didn't expect it to be like a full-on um, Vietnam vet one, but I guess time period-wise probably could have guessed it if, mm. I, if I'd thought harder. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, I, I was expecting it to be... A, have yeah, a little something more Yeah, be a bit it. smaller. Mostly because I knew the body count was low and I, I just am like, there must be some, some extra stuff to this. And was that also maybe because it's early Stallone as well, possibly? 
Yeah, yeah. Any but, any entry entry to a franchise, I usually sort of assume that there's it, it had something going for it if it spawned sequels. Yeah, I mean, like once again, Mission Impossible. If you look at number one compared yeah. to where it is now, but Mission Impossible One is is quite subtle and really quite clever. It's a bride department film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and these days, it's just insane stunts. Um, nothing. The, wrong- these days, how I view the Mission Impossible films is. They've looked at what James Bond is, and James yeah. Bond is very earnest at the moment. Yes. Which is which I'm totally fine with. Daniel yeah. Craig's doing a great job. But they I think Mission Impossible sees the gap that, oh, we'll just be the Roger Moore then. We'll just swoop back into where James Bond was, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly like overblown, yeah. silly fun is what Mission Impossible is yeah. now. So. so so many franchises that endure usually endure because the first movie was quite powerful or mm. something like that. So um, yeah. Would you, like, classify this as an action film? Yeah, I think you'd still have to. I guess you'd you'd probably hyphenate it as an action drama. Yeah. I'd probably still put action first. Yeah. There's enough, like, depth to it that you've got to... It's more than just, like... Commando is an action film. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like it, it, it's got nothing else. But it, it, um, it's one where the the action doesn't really escalate until I guess the car m- motorbike car chase scene when he escapes from the prison, yeah. the police station. Yeah, that is fairly early in the film. Like yeah. it, it gets you into the plot pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's like it's it's slow. It's not as though it has like a. Cold open of a, of a bank heist or something. No, like no, that. it's not like, yeah, it doesn't have its cold open kind of set piece there. Yeah. But yeah, it, it very cleverly, I think, paces the action scenes nicely. Yeah. You've got that chase, and then it's like long pause of like, it's him on the cliffside and the helicopter incident. Like, none of that's. It's tense, but yes. it's not. Not uh, adrenaline. Action. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, you don't get your next one until he start he's booby trapped the forest, really. Yep. And, and then you get quite a break after that. Yeah. Um, Next, it's really then like National Guard blowing up, the, yeah, which is more of a standoff, not really yeah, an action. More, exactly, and then then you just go and go through some caves for a while and some conversations in town, and then you've got the final sort of closer where he hijacks a truck and blows up a town just because. Yeah, works his way down the petrol district. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, like, early, I forgot because I had actually really forgotten how much damage he does back in the town. Yeah, and when it's just all the stuff in the forest, because like I, I knew that like he gets arrested and things. Yeah. I was like, really? Has he done anything that, like... And then yeah. the town's... And you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, once it gets early on, like, he he, he never wanted to initiate anything, obviously. Like, well, that's, like, he, where the title comes from is... It's, it's a little bit like Nicolas Cage in, um, in Con Air. In self-defense, he uses his ex- extreme skills. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, you mean the beginning? Yes. Yeah. The reason he ends up in jail in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so the judge <laughs> sentences him harshly. <laughs> this is the dumbest. <laughs> Cameron Pope, you have pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the first degree. With your military skills, you are a deadly weapon and are not subject to the same laws as other people that are provoked because you can respond with deadly force. It is the order of this court that you be remanded to a federal penitentiary where you shall remain incarcerated for a term not less than seven to ten years. <laughs> like, I love Kanye so much, but it's like it's the dumbest right. setup followed by, like, the dumbest <laughs> premise. <laughs> as a result, it's just fun. As a result, it's one of the best 90s action films yeah, ever. Exactly right. But, um. <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting. Like, that's the whole thing of he, like, you know, where the title comes from, they drew first blood. And yeah, that was, that's a really nice little, like, he, even the way he said it, he, he, 
said they drew first blood and he repeats himself almost like he's trying to reassure himself yeah that. he's trying to justify his actions to some yeah. extent and because yeah, I mean they were shooting at him yeah like that, <laughs> when, he, was, when he, was, he comes out after the helicopter incident they just open fire on him yeah and he's unarmed yeah like he's not initiating anything mm. so a lot of what he's doing but at the same time he's still kind of an anti-hero oh because yeah. whilst he's he's maiming so many police yeah, officers yeah whilst he's trying not to kill mm. like Batman um he, he, as his psyche deteriorates, I guess, and he really just goes full revenge. You're like, mm, you've probably put yourself in the position now where you just you're indefensible. Like you're going to jail, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Just for collateral damage alone. Yeah, you just electively decided to blow up a petrol station. Yeah. Can we talk about the psyche stuff there for a sec? Yes. That you brought up uh, early on. There's some wonderful little filmic pieces where it's oh, yeah. him having subli- like little borderline thought. subliminal flashbacks yep. to his time in a POW camp. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, cool. The yeah, first really one well being done. the uh, the bars, and then it's yep. like you're having like these weird flashes of uh, the kind of rat cage that he's yeah. put in. Yeah, so he's looking at the window in the police station mm. um, down downstairs while they're debriefing him or whatever. Um, yeah, and then it goes to this, this pit he's in. But it's almost like uh, stroby, like flashing yeah. in and out of it and things. Yep. And that, it, like, re- it, all of a sudden I was like, oh, yes, now this is a Ted Kotcher film. Yeah. Um, he directed what I think is one of the best Australian films ever made. Yeah. Uh, Wake and Fright. Oh, did he really? Yes. For all your listeners out there, that film is trippy as. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's um, a wonderful forgotten Australian gem. It's uh, a real, 70s. like, heart, is, heart of darkness kind of situation. Oh, yes, yes. So just, just so you know what you're getting yourself into, it's yep. cold, cold horror. Yep. Um, it's not your classic horror film at all. Yeah, anyway. it's a weird deterioration of a psyche similar to this yes. in, to some degree, which is... Yeah, having those weird filmic elements early on. Mm. I was like, oh, great, I did, don't remember any of this. And then they never really come back. I didn't mind them because they, they sort of led you into his breaking point. And then you don't need And then you don't need one. it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked that they were brief. Yes. They did never went into, like, full-on, like, I don't know, deer hunter style. No, um, no. It, it, they weren't lingering on the bad memories. They were just letting the audience know these exi- this is... A thing like yeah. is what explaining where this character is, where he's come from, even even where his exact scars came from. Yeah, it was actually quite cleverly done. It just mm. tied in that to the the previous comments that had been made by the um, um by the police officer and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, f- filmically they were done really well. Yeah. Um, as a I've got to ask you, like as a kid, um, did you when do you reckon you how old do you reckon you were when you first watched it? Probably a. About ten or so. Yeah. And I remember as a kid enjoying, like, the cat and mouse-ness of this, I guess. Um, The the sense of, like, you know, he's a one-man army being hunted and not necessarily taking on the how extreme and messed up the instigation of the situation is. You miss those sorts of themes, usually. Yeah, and, like... The, the end not really caring about it being emotional at the end or whatever no. but I remember rediscovering it like it was on cable TV or something one night when I was um, at, at uni and just flicked it on because I was like oh why not I'll watch this and yep. really enjoying it into yeah. like on those emotional kind of more dramatic levels and that's where that final scene of him and his monologue yeah. has always kind of stuck with me yeah because it was it was a really Oh, I really liked it. It was just a pity. I, 
it didn't it didn't really matter that much that you couldn't tell what he was saying easily because um, it, it felt very true. It it it, it kind of works in a, in a, somewhat in a way that it's quite human. It's human, and it's also it doesn't matter the specifics of what he's saying. You just like yes. it's just he's conveying the horrors that he's gone yeah. through, and you can tell that he's a broken man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as a kid, did you? Like, did you watch the other Rambo movies? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think I more enjoyed those ones more and that, as a kid because they because are... they're action films? The dumb, stupid, like, overblown yep. action movies and then also being a huge fan of the Hot Shots films. <laughs> yeah, and then the, so, between the two of them, you just go back and forth, back yeah, and forth. Yeah, essentially, yeah. This was the one that you wouldn't revisit as much as a kid, but it's the only one I think really holds up as an adult. Yes. Apart the most... from the fourth one, because that's just... Just crazy. Batch it crazy. <laughs> okay, <cool. laughs> yeah. Now I really want to see the second one and then do a rewatch of Hot Shots 1 and 2. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. Because, like, as you know, I hadn't seen Top Gun, so, like, huge elements of Top Gun. Yeah, it's like, oh, I get Hot Shots. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so much more makes sense. Mm. Um, um, there was one thing I did find in my doing the research. Like, mm. obviously this film is based off of a novel. Yes. Um, and apparently a huge subject subtext of the novel that was kind of... They decided to kind of hint at but then not really follow through with on the film yeah is um Brian Dennehy's sheriff character yep is resentful of the Vietnam vets because he's a Korean war vet that's interesting yeah and it's kind of the rivalry between like publicity and acknowledgements yeah he's just like well my no one remembers my war no because of you and it's that's why he and his friend who falls out of a helicopter yep. have resentment towards him as the a vet. Vets. That's fascinating, actually. Because everyone remembers the World War Two vets. Yeah, but the Korean War is... And the Korean War was brutal. Yeah, yeah. Like the... Yeah, okay, that's actually quite interesting. It would have been very hard to convey in the film, I guess. Yeah, um, but I, I think there were elements of it that were filmed for the original cut of this film. Yes, you spotted a couple of things. Yeah, and the original cut of this film ran for three and a half hours. What?! Yes. And then they edited it down to 90 minutes. <laughs> what, I think like 88 minutes or something. Jeez. Yeah, where, um, grab my notes. So the rough cut was, <laughs> was uh, three and a half hours long, according to Sylvester Stallone. It was so bad that it made him and his agent sick. Stallone wanted to buy the movie and destroy it, thinking that it was going to kill his career. Wow. Which is really interesting, actually, because this is the only film that wasn't of his that wasn't a bomb since Rocky. Yes, because you did tell me after the Rocky episode that he followed up with some, some stinkers, didn't Yeah, he? some really not great ones. And so this was... He was worried, like, this is going to be the final nail in the coffin. Yep. Uh, he suggested that the producers cut much of his part and let the rest of the characters tell the story. So why he doesn't know. talk and yep. why... He's actually not in it that no, much. No, he's not. Um, like, Brian Dennehy and Richard Krenner are, like, really... They're the drivers, yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. Uh, so they cut the film in more than half. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and kind of sped it down to, you know, 88 minutes, 90 minutes, yep. which helped set the precedent for future action movies to be only 90 minutes long. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. It's interesting, I thought. Three like, and a half. What, were they inspired by the deer hunter? Possibly, but, but it also I've makes me it, think <laughs> that's why there are so many weird time cuts. Yeah, true. We were commenting on some, some of the time cuts. Like, all of a sudden it's just dawn and then it's night time again. Yeah, or like Brian Dennehy and Richard Conner are, are in the bar having a talk and then Stallone's, it's daylight and he's hopping out of the yeah. mine. And then he hijacks a truck. And it's night. And then the next scene, it's night time. It's literally in the space of like a cut. It's night. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, literally like 
over 12 hours passes in the space of three minutes on screen or something like yeah. that. So I, I have a feeling that's why. The a lot original, might happen yeah. in that sort of time. And, and you can see there are a couple of scenes where, like, Brian Dennehy's, like, going nuts, like, talking about what they're going to do, we're going to go up there and get it. And then you would cut to Stallone, like, hunting a boar. Yes. And then you would cut back and he's still monologuing. It's, I think they're just trying to break up the yeah. these long... So yeah. like, I'm sure like with the right audience and the right mindset, you would have been cool with them. But I guess if you were going in for an action film, you'd be like, this is like an eight minute long dialogue scene. This is, yep. this this is not an art drama, but yeah. like an art drama here. So it's fascinating. I mean, I wonder if they were going for one of those full epic Vietnam War sort of reflective movies. I have a feeling probably. Yes, like, if, it, if it's that long. And like those... the inclusion of the National Guard and all of that. Like mm. that's a ver- like a very obvious statement. And yeah. you, you pointed out some of the imagery as well, like when all the soldiers are going up the river trying to hunt Rambo. It looks like a platoon. Oh, it just looks... It just seemed to me like the... Um, like, all right, plan A didn't work. Let's try plan A again, but with more men. Yeah. Which... <laughs> You can kind of say... I was just like, I wonder if that's a little little dig at Vietnam, mm. America's involvement in Vietnam. Don't know, but um, yeah, there are a lot of dudes there. Mm. And also, like, I think some of the imagery of, like, the sh- sweeping shots of just, like, a platoon of men moving up a hill yeah, or down a river, like... Yeah, like, they're, they're only planned... <coughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's the river scenes and things like that, mm. which is those classic images of US platoons having to walk, work their way through yeah. the wetlands of Vietnam and things like that. So I, I get the sense that, I, I mean, I haven't read the original novel. Um, no. But I, I get a sense that the, the original cut of the film was trying to make more interesting, lofty statements about... Yeah. Like, it already... Th- those elements still exist in the film, like the statements about the treatment of veterans yep. and, you know, the state of Vietnam and all of that stuff. It's still there, but I think it's trimmed it down to, like, just... We're just going to make a popcorn movie instead. Yeah, and it gets it gets still gets those messages across really nicely. Like mm. it's still, I don't know what the original intention was, but it gets across some. You, you don't miss. Maybe there was some extra depth and, and things to it, but you don't miss the core messages at all. Mm. So, do you reckon as a kid, how would you have found this one? That's a really good question. I, I have a feeling I probably would have been similar to you. I would have preferred the sequels just for, um, just the action yeah. side of things. I think I still would have enjoyed this. Um, like, yeah, yeah, that that man and his and the survival and um, the, the the one versus army kind of situations would have been would have been entertaining. Yeah, um, but I think oh, yeah, I think I would have enjoyed the sequels more. But um, yeah, as an adult, it was yeah, it's a really solid film. I'd be fascinated to see the sequels, but purely so hot shots is funny. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it, it's a good one. This is one that I don't mind. Like, I maybe go back to it every couple of years. Like, yeah. Or, you know, I don't necessarily seek it out, but if it's on, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to watch this. And it's a good length, like you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Short, punchy, and yeah, it's a good Stallone performance, of which yep. there regrettably aren't many. <laughs> no, no, he just needs the right, right I, mindset and the right role. Dare I say, because we've got a bunch of his other films that we're going to put in the hat, yeah, like, yeah. in for future seasons, but... This is, dare I say, the last really, like, the last actory performance. Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, I was so surprised that he was ever actually an actor-actor, so... Yeah, um, he, he was, he's, yeah, he wasn't just a Van Damme or an Arnie, yeah. he was just, like, a, essentially stunt casting because he was, you know, buff. Yes, yeah. I mean, mm. that's not to take away from Creed, apparently, he was very good in... Yeah, he's um, really good in Creed, yeah, actually. So, um, yeah, he's still I mean, got yeah, it. he got nominated for an Academy Award for it, Yeah. So. Hmm. 
But do you want to hear some alternate casting? Mm, yeah, okay. okay. So there actually was. Well, I've got. I've actually got two forms here. I've got alternate directors as well. Oh yeah, okay. Because the film was. It was. The book was such a big hit that it, and like uh, there was like bidding wars between studios as to who would make it. Yep. Um, so John Kelly at Warner Brothers spent one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to acquire the rights from Columbia, who had originally bought them. Okay. And they wanted Clint Eastwood and Robert De Niro to star in uh, being directed by Martin Ritt. Yeah, okay. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> they yeah. did three drafts on the script and then it just kind of never eventuated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this version, both Rambo and the sergeant die. And uh, it was made out that Troutman was really the true villain of the piece. Oh, wow, that's really different. Yeah, I think which is more in keeping with the book. I think the book was really a statement. Like, uh, the fact that his name is Sam, Colonel Sam Troutman, it was like it's supposed to be a giant uncle Uncle Sam. Yeah. 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 And he's that later just giving orders. Yeah. yeah. Um, So after that one fell through, uh, Martin Root was still trying to make it, but he wanted Robert Mitchum to play the sheriff and Paul Newman to play Rambo. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is obviously this is all in the early seventies. Yes. So this is like a good ten years before yeah, this ended right. up happening. Yeah. Uh, Sidney Pollock was considered to, considered directing the film with Steve McQueen as Rambo and Burt Lancaster as the sheriff. Wow. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then uh, as well, Mike Nichols was interested in directing with Dustin Hoffman as the lead. Interesting. Yeah. So all very different. Very, very different setups. <laughs> uh, Australian director Bruce Beresford was offered the script, uh, but refused at the time because he thought he wasn't suited for action films. Yeah, okay. So this this is probably around the same time. This would have been just post Breaker Marat, probably, that he would have been offered that. Yeah, which is almost... A, it's not action. No. No, it's, it's got elements of it that they might have thought he could handle with the... The soldier, the mm. um, psyche side, I guess. And uh, when it was still at Warner Brothers, uh, they asked George Miller if he wanted to direct it. <laughs> that would have been different. Yes, it would. Have. <laughs> uh, but then, it, obviously, it ended up, um, you know, being the Ted Kotcher version and things. And yep. the casting for that is very interesting. Okay. So the list here we have Jeff Bridges as like number one choice. Yeah. These, just... these. Oh uh, no, these are just general choices. Yep, okay. And then there are a few people that they actually reached out to. Oh, okay. So these were the people considered. Yep. Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. uh, De Niro again, Michael Douglas. Okay. Uh, Nick Nolte. Yeah. And yeah. John Travolta. Travolta. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Out of all of those, Michael Douglas, I think, would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, or Nick Nolte. I just can't picture Michael Douglas scruffy enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick um, Nolte, I think. Apparently, like Al Pacino was in talks. Yeah, okay. But yeah. ended up turning down the project uh, when he requested that Rambo be more of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> had a bit of practice by then. Yeah. Uh, James Garner turned down a role, and um, mainly because he was a veteran of the Korean War and has two Purple Hearts and didn't like the way that the military was yeah. depicted in the film. Yeah. Uh, and then the studio wanted to cast Chris Christopherson as Rambo. Oh. Gene Hackman as Sheriff Teasel. Yeah, okay. And yep. Lee Marvin as Colonel Troutman. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, been interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that does it in terms yeah. of uh, alternate casting. Yep. There was one person who was cast in the film... Yep. ...who dropped out due to creative differences... And that was uh, Kirk Douglas was originally in the role of Colonel Troutman. 
Yeah, okay. And uh, because of this, they were having script difficulties yeah. and constant rewriting, he dropped out. And then apparently uh, Kotchev and the, and the producers went to Rock Hudson, <laughs> yep. who turned it down, and then they eventually decided on Richard Krenner. But this was when they were in production, essentially. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see why they would have gone to Kirk Douglas. He'd make... Well, he's very much Colonel material. Yeah, and now I really, really want to see the version of this film that stars Kirk Douglas and Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Oh... Oh, that's a yeah, a lot of variety there. Yeah, it, I think it's just like so them throwing nails at it, like you know, darts at a dartboard and seeing what sticks. I didn't realise it had been a um, sort of a film or a story that had been in sort of the works for such a long for time. For over a decade, yeah. it had been kind of jumping from studio to studio, trying to find a home, and yeah, yeah interesting. With like huge caliber people attached, so yeah, both so behind the camera and in front. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to see that it ended up as this, and also the version of it. Like, you know, the three-hour version. Like no, I, no wonder it was originally aimed to be epic-sounding, at least. Yeah. Based on those sort of casting and directorial choices. Like, they were obviously... It seems like they were really aiming for something pretty big. Yeah, almost like... It seems like a, like a 70s almost art... Like a deer hunter-esque, almost, yeah. to that extent. But Yeah. Yeah, it, it ended up what it is, and it's not bad for that. It sits in its own little category there, really. Mm. Uh... In terms of its, uh, how it went, uh, it yeah. had a production budget of $15 million, Yeah. Uh, two and a half, uh, nearly three of which went to Paige Stallone. Well done to him. So, essentially $12 million actually spent on the film. Yep. <laughs> uh, it went on to gross $125 million in 1982 Ooh, yeah. at the worldwide box office, making it the fifth highest grossing film of 1982. Uh-huh. Hence, we have sequels. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it came in... It's, Came in behind uh, two previous films that we've done on this show. Yep. E.T., which yep. was number one, and yep. Dark Crystal, which was number 18. So this yep. well and truly beat it. <laughs> yes, yes, smash, smash Dark Crystal, funnily enough. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But uh, I guess, unless you got anything else... No, no, I think that sums it up very well. Hmm. It's a good one. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't take long, and it's... um. Yeah, it's really easy to watch. Mm. And it, it's similar to Rocky in the sense of you will be surprised, I think. It, yeah. It's, it, there's more depth and substance, so... Yeah, don't let the perception of the sequels fool you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's about that time where we pull another film out of the hat. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to be watching Child's Play. Ooh. Something different. This is going to be fun. It's going to be... Uh, this is our first horror for, yeah, this, for, for this, this season. So yeah. Friday the 13th... Last season? Yep. And Child's Play this time around? Yeah. Do we only have one last season? I think it was our only, like, true horror, yeah. I think. We had maybe some... I don't remember. Yeah. It's so long ago. Yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it'll be good, that. Um, yeah. Looking forward. That's There's a big childhood one for me. So. Right. Yeah, it's one I've wanted to see for ages, so um, <laughs> a long time. Nice. Well, um, tune in in a fortnight's time for that. But uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric, and um, we'll catch you next time for Little Psychopathic Doll Murders. Oh, yeah. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.